This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, you're in the battleground. It is uh, Tuesday, 13th September, in the year of our Lord, 2022. Of course, it has been a... Um, Somewhat of a historic day, uh, record inflation across the board, record core inflation numbers that haven't been seen in 40 years. All the pundits on Wall Street were wrong. All the pundits in the corporate paid for business media were wrong. War Room was right, but uh, even we didn't anticipate the market meltdown today, particularly stocks and bonds, which is quite unusual. Normally, one is a safe haven for the other. It does not happen. We're going to get into a lot of that and also talk about the polling and how it really translates to a politics, Richard Barris and Joanna Miller, Joanna Miller from the Trump White House. She was a Navarro's wingman. Uh, she's going to join us. Richard Barris is going to join us. But I want to start. we got breaking news, really. James Raguski, an investigative reporter that has done more, I think, than anybody independently out in uh, L.A. He has single handedly, I think, outed the World Health Organization and all this kind of behind the scenes things they're doing. They're quite complicated uh, to folks to understand. People also have to understand when we talk about the United Nations, the uh, the showtime and in, in the secretariat and the General Assembly. That's all in New York City. That's the one you're familiar. That's where the Security Council is. All the high drama uh, takes place, whether it's the Kuwait war, uh, the war on terror, the Cuban Missile Crisis, all that. But the real engine room where it really where the work really takes place, where your money's really squandered and uh, they try to take control is in Geneva. And Geneva is a uh, is a very shady place. Uh, the CCP is very involved in all these organizations, all these agencies. And a guy like James Rogowski, Rogowski, who's just done such a great job as an independent investigator, has kind of outed these guys. James, you've got breaking news that it, I take it we have more time to put in these 90 second videos. Is that what you're telling us? That's correct. The deadline was um, supposed to be uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time today. Um, but they extended it until Friday at midnight Geneva time, which would be 6 p.m. Friday Eastern time. And so uh, all of this information is on screwthehoop.com. I actually was up at 3 in the morning last night submitting my 90-second video, and I thought I was going to get a little rest today, rework the website and say, hey, everybody, we're still accepting everybody's uh, comments. I woke up to find that, it extended the period. Have no idea why they extended it. Uh, you know, it was ridiculously short to begin with. You know, I think it's just part of the head games that they play. But long story short, if you want all of the information, you can call me directly. Uh, I'll give my number at the end of this. I don't want to do it now because people will start calling immediately. I met a lot of wonderful people from the posse yesterday. They called me. Um, but go to screwthehoop.com. There are many dozen samples of 90 second videos that other people have shared. I encourage everyone to record it, post it up on uh, you know whatever video platform you want. When you go to the um, WHO site, you have to record it live. So you wanna have your transcript ready. You, you wanna know what you wanna say. It has to be less than 90 seconds. Practice it a few times, record it, put it up on 
Rumble or BitChute or wherever you want to put it. Um, and we'll be happy to add it to the website so other people can see what you said. Um, but, you know, it's a public comment period. You get to tell the WHO what you think about what they're doing. Isn't this, isn't it odd that they would normally, and you've been with us now for months and months and months doing this, normally they try to hide the football, sneak in at the last second, these public comment, either statements or people listening and or actually commenting. Why would they put such a short window and then after you get involved in the war room posse and others, expand it? Do you, do you think they want this input or is this, uh, this just a misdirection play? Well, I, I'm glad it's happening and we now have the 6 p.m. Eastern daylight time uh, on Friday and I want everybody out there because it's totally free. You just got to go James's site, uh, screw the who and uh, and James, the, the, the site will guide you through it. But why would they do this, James? They normally make it so hard. Why are they actually giving us what, another 72 hours? Uh, you know, I think you know me pretty well. I don't speculate. I don't try to get into people's heads and say why. There's all kinds of possible reasons why they didn't give a reason why. And if they even said why, I wouldn't believe them. Very well said. Okay, one more time, uh, James. How do people actually get to? How do they actually get to your site, and how do they actually uh, walk it's through, amazing. particularly some of our boomers that are maybe not quite so technically proficient? The easiest thing is to call me. Uh, somebody just tried to call me. Uh, my phone number is three one zero six one nine three zero five five. I had a few people call me yesterday, just asking, you know, to guide them through what's going on. Three one zero six one nine three zero five easiest thing to do is don't do a Google search for this because Google will not be your friend. Just type in HTTP colon slash slash screw the who.com. All the information is there. It'll link you right to the WHO site if you want to uh, record your video. Um, but don't be afraid to call me because, you know, they try to make it confusing. They try to make it hard. It, I'm trying to make it easier for people. Um, just to express your opinion as to whether or not you think the WHO um, should be the boss of the world or whether or not you think that we should keep our freedom and our sovereignty. James Ergusky, thank you very much uh, for joining us and thank you for having the courage to put your phone number out there for everybody. We appreciate that. I want everybody to call James. We have till Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, to get these in now. So I want to make sure everybody in the posse is totally free. I want to make sure everybody gets the the opportunity to tell the WHO, World Health Organization, about the handling, as they say, they want recommendation on the handling of the next pandemic. Um, I want to go now to Richard Barris, uh, the People's Pundit. He does so much stuff with uh, big data, uh, CD media, putting out great polls. Uh, Trafalgar came out the other day, and I know you came out a couple of days beforehand. I want to talk about what what these generic polls are saying because you guys are a little different than some of the more mainstream polls. What generic polls mean and how's today going to bake into that? We've had a horrific day. I sent you some breakouts earlier, particularly places like Phoenix, Arizona. Air, you know, Arizona's in play both for the 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 Senate and the governorship and and down ballot Secretary of State, but really the governorship and the Senate are are two uh, Titanic battles. Phoenix today, Richard Barris, in, in the government's a analysis where you had CPI at 8 point, uh, was it 8.3%, right? People 8. thought it was going to come at 8.1%. It was 8.3%. Uh, the whole market's melted down today. 
Phoenix, Arizona, ladies and gentlemen, 13.1. It kind of feels like the United Kingdom, which is at 13%. How can that, that's 33%, what's 33% above, or almost 40% above the, uh, the, 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 the rest of the country. Uh, what's going on? Richard, first off, even coming into today, where did you see this thing starting to break as far as generic ballot goes? And how did this inflate? How did inflation play in and, and bake into you and Trafalgar's? And what do you think today's going to do? Uh, what impact is today going to have? Yeah, let me let me try to. We we were a little bit uh, we we're more narrow for Republicans their lead on the generic ballot, but still a lead. And people should understand. I mean, Republicans picked up seats with a less favorable map in 2020 when they lost the House vote nationally by three points, over a little over. Three points. So a Republican plus three to six, Steve, is bad news for Democrats. Uh, you know, what do I think it really comes down to this? We actually had a bigger lead on the generic ballot. What we saw happen were that Republican leaning voters and, and Republicans and Republican leaning independents uh, went more back to undecided uh, than any, than Democrats did. They remained completely, you know, base locked up. And that's that's why. And I'm not surprised that happened. That's what happens in a, in a Labor Day right around Labor Day poll. Now that we see you know, Labor Day's behind us and we go forward, we probably are going to see that generic ballot lead widen out for Republicans again. What we saw Biden's so-called approval bounce that everyone keeps talking about there, our bounce was to just about about 40 percent, about two points. That's not much of a bounce. What it means is that inflation is now locked in. And this is uh, the uh, this issue was they were trying to sweep this aside uh, and focus on abortion. But now that this issue, I mean, this was worse than people thought. And by the way, that is with gas prices retrenching. We see uh, inflation still rising more than expected, which explains to me why. I don't know if they have that graphic up that I sent over. But if you look at cost of living detail, what people are most concerned about, they didn't say gas prices, Steve. They said food and groceries. Half the country can't pay for food and groceries. And, uh, the, you know, and then one, one fifth can't, you know, can't deal with housing and shelter. So gas was actually number three this month. Uh, so the American people are way ahead of these economic indicators. And I think this puts a cap on Biden's ability to rebound. And I put, I think that this, um, this is the, I think this is the end of abortion being the comeback issue for Democrats. Reality always wins. It does always wins. I, I want to go to that. Um, when you said up to 40%, that was his approval rating up from 38%. You're saying that's the two point. I just want to make sure we're clear on nomenclature. That was the two point yes. bounce that you're talking about was from 38. Okay. I want to make sure this is yeah, in. Which, so people Steve, understand because there. it's 50. It could be noise. I, I got it. I, I got it. But could be direction. Look, the mainstream media kept talking about his great month of August, right? Of course, it's ironic that True. he's doing the, the the Orwellian named Inflation Control Act, the big uh, ceremony today on the day these numbers come out. But what they said is with with abortion and, you know, mainstream media, this is the year of the woman and we're signing up so many women and they're so angry and the economy's back. And they felt that today you saw Wall Street starting to hype it. Credit Suisse being the worst. They thought they were going to get a favorable inflation, still bad, but decreasing dramatically. Because they had counted on the gas prices. Gasoline did drop pretty dramatically, but that's because of demand destruction. People are changing their lifestyles. It's nothing to do with his production or making energy more available. 
They haven't taken any action. It's demand destruction. You're changing your life. You're driving less because it's so expensive. That's why prices are coming down. But in food, rent, um, utilities, uh, everything else, particularly food's exploding. And this is kind of the lived experience of, of people just way too the way they're financing this right now through credit cards. Credit cards are about to, the interest rates on credit cards are about to explode. The American worker, the American middle class is getting caught in a pincer move all by Biden's policies. The question to you is that is a social issue like uh, abortion, which never ranks as number one choice. Is that going to be pushed aside to the economic reality that is just brutally destroying the working class and the, and the middle class, sir? They can try to ignore that all they want, but the people see it. I mean, it's in it's in the polling. Look at most important issues by party. Look who's driving abortion. Immigration is right there with abortion. So out of the top four issues, uh, the voters are they trust and are backing Republicans over Democrats. And on that issue of abortion, it's all Democratic vote, folks. Look at it by party. It only rose from the you know from the bottom of the barrel up until those mid issues because more Democrats are citing it. That's it. These are people that were never going to vote Republican anyway. What I think it's going to do, Steve, is move those independents back from undecided to Republicans, which is probably where they were going to end up anyway, because it's a first term incumbent midterm. And that's what happens. That's the history. They talked about the uh, intensity of the vote. A lot of uh, the uh, mainstream media and liberal pundits saying that, the, you know, we used to have like a 13 point advantage. Now it's down almost dead even. Do you believe these economic numbers being as bad as they are, um, in particular on working class people? Do you think this will start to actually suppress or dampen the vote or enthusiasm of Democrats is going to go? You know, I can't I, I'm not going to vote Republican, but I'm just not going to go to the polls this time because what we're doing is is is, is awful. How, or, or do you even buy into the fact? that their intensity is starting to, we're starting to close the intensity gap. Yeah, I, I wasn't buying that to begin with, not in huge numbers, but what I think it's gonna do is that the younger people who are citing cost of living, they were never citing abortion. They were talking about, I can't pay my rent, I can't get an apartment, maybe I'm just out of college now and I got a decent job, maybe I'm, you know, I got some professional sector job, but guess what, they raised interest rates, so now I'm priced out of the housing market, I can't buy a home, I have to go rent something, rent is ridiculous. That, you know, so the idea they went for student loan forgiveness and abortion was a little bit strange to me anyway, you know, we saw, I think, some of that tightening, too, when Republicans had a nine-point advantage. A lot of that was those younger voters just basically saying, I'm undecided. I don't know if I'm going to vote. I think what's going to happen, Steve, is they're just not going to. You know, we just polled Pennsylvania not too long ago. You know that. Young voters are not jumping out to go vote. They're, it's not going to happen. It's just that's I think Explain that's the audience. we're going to see Ex there. Explain to audience when, when guys like you and Trafalgar do these, quote-unquote, generic polls i know they're directionally yeah. important tell people what, what are you guys looking for and what what do they mean and what should the audience take from that as far as we got 56 days to go in the most important midterm at least since 1862 sir yeah i mean what we're looking for too is an overall trend uh you know that's why we'll, we'll do it once at least once a month or you know we'll try maybe even every week as we get closer to the election and, you know, the, 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 these numbers move, you know, from Republican plus two to Republican plus six or even more. Sometimes we have Republicans upward of nine points. The trend is what matters. It tells you throughout the entire year what the mood of the electorate is. Uh, and, and 
a good sign for Republicans is not even the top line. It's the mood, what people are saying they're voting on, why they're voting that way, who's going to vote and who is not. It all has very a lot of commonalities all throughout the year. Summer always has this blip. And the generic ballot tends to tighten even in our polling during the summer. But then that Labor Day comes. And if it moves in the direction that it was for the rest of the year, I mean, you could bet the farm that's what's going to happen in November because that was kind of baked into the cake the entire year. It's idea, Steve, that abortion is going to somehow, somehow come in and change history. There was one midterm, first term incumbent midterm where the in-party or in-power party bucked that trend. And that was George Bush after 9-11. Abortion is comparable to George, you know, is comparable to the 9-11 attacks. That's the impact it's going to have on the electorate. And we have to just forget everything that's happened since Truman in the 40s. It's, <laughs> I'm sorry, I find it kind of laughable. I really do. Uh, Biden is historically you, unpopular. You, you, but, and those, those voters are who are undecided, Steve, but, are not going to vote Democratic. Um, what you're saying is that the trends are with us, but people have to execute. I mean, this is all about actually showing up, getting sure. people out to vote. But you would tell people right now, if you do your job and, and, and turn people out and do the get out the vote and become a force multiplier, that we should, this could be, this could be almost historic about what we do here, but the trends are with us. The economy numbers are actually terrible. Abortions overblown. He's historically unpopular. You have all the historical trends. But st still, people have to use their agency. They have to deliver themselves. Is that generally the takeaway here? And kind of you and Trafalgar are not exactly on top of each other, but but directionally pretty close. Yeah, that, I mean, it would be malpractice if Republicans didn't have an excellent year. Uh, I would be stunned if they weren't north of 235, uh, definitely 230 in the House. And I think there's still odds on favorites to take control of the Senate with probably around 52 seats at least. I mean, it, it depends if Arizona and New Hampshire go their way, uh, that it, it, history is on the Republican side. Polling is one predictive indicator. And honestly, throughout the last three cycles or so, it's it's really lost a lot of its predictive value. There are only a few of us left who who uh, who get it, you know, as close as as close as we can. Uh, everything else points to a very good year for Republicans, as long as, like you said, yeah, I mean, don't drop the ball and go to sleep. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. Um, you know, never do that. But at the same time, you, the winds are, are at their back. You know, they're, they're not fighting headwinds here, Steve. Everything is in their favor. Richard, how do people, you're the people's pundit. You're also doing all this stuff with uh, Todd Woods in the crowd over at uh, CD Media. How do people get to you, follow you, and particularly get to know how do you think about things mathematically? And we're polling Wisconsin next, soon, coming up here at the end of the week. So stay tuned for that at cdm.press. And you really want to get it, all the insights into our polling and, and, and get to know a lot more about it. The best place to do it is on Locals because we aggregate everything there. So peoplespundant.locals.com. We're also on Getter, at peoplespundant, on Twitter, at peoples underscore pundit. But local Steve's uh, the place to go to check out everything polling related. And that's, again, peoplespundant.locals.com. Richard, thank you very much. We look forward to having you back every couple of days in the 56-day run-up to this historic midterm election. Thank you, sir. Looking Remember, forward to it. No All the best, there's no substitute Steve. for victory. Thanks, brother. Uh, there's no substitute for victory. I want to bring in Joanna Miller now. First of all, Joanna, you were uh, Navarro's wingman in the manufacturing and trade part of the White House. 
I just want your assessment of uh, of these numbers today as you saw them come out about the economy and really the Biden administration's, you know, they had their signing ceremony for the Inflation Control Act and other spending. But what's your overall assessment, given your expertise and really the the heavy lifting part of the White House, ma'am? Well, Steve, it, it seems like the Biden regime is turning us into a third world country. I mean, outside of gasoline you know, prices, which I know you both, you and Barris just talked about, um, if we can't provide food and, and medical services and veterinary services for our people, I mean, what are what are we doing? This was never uh, the case under President Trump, even in pandemic times. So, for example, the Food at Home Index grocery, which is a good indicator for grocery prices, has increased 13.5% over the past year, uh, which is the largest rise since March in 1979. That is sad that, that our country, the United States of America, is struggling uh, to provide affordable groceries to our people. And families, you have millennials that are, are afraid to start families because they can't afford kids. Uh, they can't provide uh, a, you know, a home because rent prices are going through the roof. I genuinely believe, on top of what you mentioned about abortion um, and squeezing middle-class Americans dry, this is a war on American families, a war on American jobs. You know, you bring up a good point. I mean, they, they talk all the time about how they care about the poor and how they care about the working poor and what they're doing. They're destroying the, the working poor. Family formation has got to be delayed uh, because people are making a rational decision. I can't afford to have kids right now. You, you've, you've helped us out over the last couple of months on the, on, the, on the baby formula situation, which is still not resolved. And you right. make the point that, hey, everything related to working class families, particularly just putting food on the table, is now exploding out of control. The Biden yeah. administration, through their actions, are actually destroying minorities. I mean, it's, their economic policies are essentially racist. Is that correct, Joanna? Yeah, I, I totally agree that they're racist and they try to mask this stuff. Like, for example, the the um, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, for example, they mask uh, this war against American jobs by including, for example, tax credits for American um, manufacturing, or for example, electric vehicle batteries. That's all well and good. I believe America should be able to dominate in that space. However, what they're doing at the same time is canceling oil and gas jobs. We don't have uh, the economy to just force uh, electric vehicles on Americans and, and have them pay uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars on this yet. I believe that we should dominate in this space eventually, but what they're doing is they're, they're, they're appearing as they're supporting American manufacturing when they're really canceling jobs and forcing this green energy transition when I believe that we should be in support of both. So yeah, I think it's completely racist. Minorities get hurt the most by this stuff, especially what's been going on on the border. You know, they're allowing all these people to come into our country, which lowers wages for middle class Americans. I believe that we should be prioritizing American workers, American jobs first. Um, and and this, this, these numbers are just completely out of control. It's stuff that we we've never seen. Um, and we're in trouble, Steve. We're in trouble. Tell, tell me, you mentioned to me there's going to be a cobalt bill. Somebody's actually we're going to actually go on offense and try to put some alternatives. I've walked the audience through what's going on here. Yeah, really exciting. So uh, Congressman Byron Donalds uh, is leading the charge on uh, what he's calling the Cobalt Act of 2022. And basically, it's going to set up a purchase program from already appropriated funds, about $800 million under the Defense Production Act fund um, for the acquisition of domestically refined cobalt. And this is really important because cobalt goes into alloys, which are, are metals that coat jet engines, uh, next generation semiconductors, 
batteries, stuff that our military and economy heavily relies upon. Um, I don't know if you saw the story the other day, but the F-35 uh, fighter jet program was recently suspended by the DOD because they contained the alloys uh, contained Chinese components. China dominates refined cobalt market, the refined cobalt market. They produce about 70% of that. And so we need that capability in the USA. There's a great company, Westwind Elements, setting up the first ever U.S. cobalt refinery. It'll be huge for national security. And Byron Donalds is leading the charge making this happen. And this is not going to cost. It's already allocated money. So this has come out of a pool of money. And it would help not just our national defense, but to create jobs here in the United States and, and combat the Chinese Communist Party. Is that correct? It's correct. Um, Governor Stitt has been behind this. The whole state of Oklahoma, the refinery will be built in Lawton, Oklahoma. It'll create about 2,300 jobs. It's going to be huge for our economy, huge for national security as we bring back production back to America. Joanna, how do people get to you on social media and what's your website? How do people keep up to date with you? So um, check out westwindelements.com. I would, I would encourage everybody to check that out on the War Room uh, crowd. Um, my social media, Joanna Miller for both Getter and Truth. Uh, Twitter is USA underscore Joanna. And Instagram is Joanna Miller 1026. The Cobalt Act. And we'll put this up so everybody can link to the company and see it. Joanna Miller, thank you. And thank you for your assessment of the economy. This would not happen if Trump was in office and young uh, fire eaters like Joanna Miller were in there helping build, rebuild the manufacturing base in this country. So, ma'am, thank oh, you very much. Okay. Uh, as tough. Thanks, Joanna. Great job. By the way, as tough as the news has been on the economy, I, it, I got even more brutal news coming out of Idaho and also coming out of uh, Joe Allen's here on transhumanism in the White House. And you're going to be shocked, uh, but you're going to be on point after we have this uh, short commercial break. Be back in a minute. Dorothy Moon. Joe Allen in the word. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. 
They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% and do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. These kids, these kids have worked their asses off and are incredible performers, and they deserve to be celebrated. If you see them throughout Pride, give them the biggest hug, take pictures with them, let them know how amazing they are and that we stand with them. We will not let the hate get to us. We will always stand. Uh, welcome back. Uh, it's the War Room, Tuesday, 13 September, Year of Our Lord, 2022. You know, I'm pretty upfront when I say things are not my line of country. I'm much more comfortable talking capital markets, economics, geopolitics, national security, hardcore, hardball, in-your-face, smash-mouth politics. Uh, but there's certain things like uh, this gender-affirming surgery, gender ideology. Today on the morning show, you know, we had uh, Terry Schilling and the American Principles guys talking about these books that are in libraries and public schools that are just mind-boggling. And this whole situation here, the drag queens, whatever this is, the drag queen story hour or these displays. I want to bring in Dorothy Moon. Dorothy, uh, help me out here, because the last time I looked, I thought the free state of Idaho was like the Patriots headquarters. I mean, everybody I know and talk to say that, hey, Idaho, so many good people are gone, so many people are from there. So many people are have headed there that are are real patriots and and want to live free or die. It's it's a state of real independent spirits who are obviously very have a very tight community. But um, tell me what went on in Idaho and how you got involved and in, in what you did because this story is kind of uh, mind boggling, ma'am. It is, and thank you for having me on. Uh, the what has happened is that this. Uh, Pride Fest has been a, an event that they have uh, had for years. 
and I am now the new chair of the Idaho GOP. I'm also a current representative. Uh, my term ends in November. Uh, so I have had a lot of folks were reaching out about the fact that the agenda now included the opportunity for young folks to go on stage with drag queens and perform and um, dance uh, exotically in, in front of an audience in daylight, right in the middle of the day in a city park, right in front of Boise's uh, beautiful state capitol. So that's uh, what was happening. Uh, my position is the Idaho GOP chair. Uh, this is something that is unacceptable. Uh, I have served on the education committee in the house and I have seen, uh, as you talk about the sexualization in our libraries, uh, we've tried to remove books. We've tried to um, make sure that adult content doesn't get onto the online services in schools. So we have dealt with these issues. We've dealt with the social emotional learning, critical race theory, and all of these things that have come into now, it's just like, wham, here we go. We're gonna have kids up on stage with exotic dancers and performers and drag queens um this is totally unacceptable they can do what they want to do once does, they consent adults but leave the kids alone and let me ask you, and let me ask you i get people this the pride parade or whatever this pride thing it's gone on for a number of years did people ever have a big problem with it until they started to uh actually include children i mean had this thing gone on for a number of years with with basically live and let live or what was the status of it before they started including children. You're right. It, it was pretty much the live and let live uh, until now they've got the story time where they sit and read books to these children. Uh, but this part of bringing the kids onto the stage to perform, uh, that's where uh, everyone's hair caught on fire. And I so it, it has been a very unpopular uh, event in the lineup of the agenda. But sadly, we have a lot of corporate and state sponsors, government sponsors, who were involved in this uh, Pride Fest. And that's when uh, the grassroots started calling all of these sponsors and telling them they were going to pull uh, their, their bank accounts, uh, how unhappy they were that their tax dollars through the College of Western Idaho or the Department of Health and Welfare were supporting these type of events. And uh, there, it was quite the uproar. Uh, I recently became chair, but I was in the office when all these phone calls were coming in and it was every second. I mean, I'm telling you, the phone was ringing, the emails were flying in. Um, they are not happy about it. This is not, as you say, Idaho. So, uh, we are family friendly and well, we are kid well, friendly but, here. That's my point. The, 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 that was kind of, hey, I may not agree with it. I may not like it, but live it, let live. But once you start doing the story time, because that always leads, that's, that, that, that's the camel's nose under the tent. That always leads to something else. People eventually have to say, hey, we can't do this. I think what's shocking when you look at the story, because the corporations are always on the wrong side. But the last time I looked, <laughs> Idaho's a pretty Republican state, and it's pretty MAGA. How did you have so much government sponsorship? Had that just been under the radar? Because that seemed like when I read that, your biggest problem wasn't just the corporations, which was bad enough, but you also had all these government agencies. And the last time I looked, you have a Republican legislature, you have Republicans in the executive branch. How did that happen? To me, it's shocking as well. But, you know, uh, I guess you need to look at and see who these corporations are donating to. Uh, I think that's what it really comes down to. I, uh, 
you know, I, I've always been a grassroots person. I've always had my constituents support me. Uh, no PACs. Uh, it, it's th that's how I've always run my campaigns uh, for the past three uh, elections that I've been in. But uh, as, as far as uh, the corporations have such a stronghold on, on the state of Idaho, and they shouldn't. Uh, you know, this is a new GOP. This is going to be representing the people of Idaho, the hardworking men and women, Republicans that are concerned about their kids' futures and seeing the direction of what's happening in our schools today. Uh, now, we have to stay involved. And, and again, uh, folks can go look at uh, the Secretary of State's website to see the donations that have been taken by different candidates uh, throughout Idaho. Is this a wake-up call, you think, for the grassroots and for even maybe centrist Republicans that something's got to happen here? Do you think this is going to have bigger political implications than just what happened here at the beginning? I, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, you know, I, I believe that after the pandemic and we had parents who were concerned about their kids being masked up all day long, uh, having a hard time dealing with that, and then the vaccines— uh, that were being mandated or asked uh, for kids to be man, uh, vaccinated before they went back to school. Uh, these were the, um, this, this, this was the catalyst that really got the younger folks involved. Uh, back in the old uh, Tea Party days or the days now where we have Stand Up for Idaho or United We Stand or all of these conservatives of Eagle or Ada County, all of these groups, which are very similar to 10 years ago, but now we have a lot younger population because when you start messing with people's kids, that is a trigger. And right now, folks are motivated. They are using their dollars with what they get in a year based on the taxes we're paying here. Uh, but I mean, with the money that they're getting, uh, you know, that they're using their dollars to actually influence some of these sponsors. So it's been tremendous. Uh, we, we did not ask for a boycott. We just said, call them, be respectful. And a lot of folks, I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds of people making phone calls. In fact, another event in Southeast Idaho, which was slated for this coming Saturday, was actually canceled uh, because of pressure coming in from folks. This is unacceptable. We will not have our kids. Uh, this was all range of kids, not just 11 and older, as was okay with the Pride Fest. But uh, it was shut down, so that will not be happening this coming Saturday. Dorothy, how can people, uh, not just in Idaho, how can people from around the nation, because this is a problem in many, many places, how can they keep up with the story? Where do they go? What's your social media? Do you have a website? People want to be engaged in this, so how do they do it? I appreciate that. It's uh, idgop.org uh, is our website. Uh, they can reach out to me, uh, moon at Idaho, uh, ID, excuse me, idgop.org. So they can reach out to me or come to the website. I've got multiple press releases on the website, and uh, we also have a pretty big Facebook presence as well, just Idaho Republican Party. Do you have, uh, do you have personal uh, social media, or do you do everything through the uh, Idaho Republican Party? Uh, I, I do it through the Republican Party, but I do have uh, social media. You can private message me at Dorothy, uh, DorothyMoon.org. Uh, and uh, you can find me that way as well. Dorothy, uh, good fight out there. Tell the folks in Idaho we have their back, and we're going to make sure everybody in the nation uh, pays attention to this. So thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for having me on. Yes, ma'am. Wow. You just can't, you can't make this stuff up, right? It's, just, it's incredible. Let's bring in Joe Allen. Joe, um, 
and I really appreciate you being our editor. Joe, as people know, is kind of on special assignment working on a big project for us, but he keeps track of everything going on and we talk all the time. Uh, Joe, very disturbing uh, development out of the White House with an executive order, and I think it has implications that are, and I want to make sure, because there's all kind of rumors you know, blown around, I want to make sure we give people the signal, not noise. Walk me through what ha- what this what is this executive order? What was signed? What does it mean? And particularly, what does it mean to this the specter of transhumanism, which we constantly keep our eye on twenty four seven, sir? Well, Steve, two of the most important elements of transhumanism are genetic engineering, perfecting the human genome, and of course, artificial intelligence, the creation of a digital mind. And yesterday, Joe Biden signed an executive order, the National Biotechnology and Biomanufacturing Initiative, which will provide tons of taxpayer money for research and development in genetic engineering and biotechnology, and will also fund training and will eliminate a lot of the sort of federal or regulatory obstacles to these sorts of things. There's a lot of language in uh, the order talking about ethics and all of this every time you see this come up it always does but there's one passage in particular that really raised my eyebrows and i think a lot of people are really stunned by the language used Uh, the passage reads as we need to develop genetic engineering technologies and techniques to be able to write circuitry for cells and predictably program biology in the same way in which we write software and program computers. This is the essence of what's known as the bio-digital convergence, seeing organisms as machines and seeing machines as organisms. Now here's what, and I want to take a second to unpack this for the audience. Hang on a second. The, um, because there's no conspiracies, but there's no coincidences. You, I don't believe could take a more loaded phrase given the uncertainty. And what remember one of the things our theory of the case is about the convergence of all these technologies, whether it's regenerative robotics or it's advanced chip design, um, you know, gene splicing or CRISPR or bio, you know, biotechnology, uh, robotics, uh, artificial general intelligence, the convergence of those five or six industries. That is what we call the convergence of that at advanced stages leads to the singularity. And the singularity is that point in time. We're on this side of that point, the singularity. You have Homo sapiens. On the other side of that, you have Homo sapiens plus or Homo sapiens different. And it is uh, it has to be very well thought through. And we keep arguing we have these technologies just hurtling, and some of them can be quite dangerous. Not only that, this is all being done by the underwriting of American taxpayers in these weapons labs and all throughout the different parts of the government. In addition, your pension money with the, it, that's put into venture capital funds and private equity funds is the other way this is all funded. So the, the actual the people underwriting it are, is this audience, yet they're never really clued into what's going on. Then you see an executive order. Remember, an executive order is not like a piece of legislation. It's not out there and debated in public hearings, and you see these fights and every night on TV. You have MSNBC people, have some people on Fox. Newsmax, you don't. Executive orders are done inside the administrative state. They're run throughout the administrative state. And then when they're ready, they're kind of signed and dropped on, you know, they're leaked to the New York Times and then dropped like a airburst. This executive order is kind of what we've been warning about. 
in addition, that phrase, and I want you to go back and read it again, you could not have asked Joe Allen, Steve Bannon, or uh, you know, or, or our friends over at InfoWars to write a more loaded phrase of what we've kind of been warning people about is happening in an unregulated environment. Read it again, Joe Allen, and, and tell people what the implications of this is, sir. So uh, the executive order reads, we need to develop genetic engineering technologies and techniques to be able to write circuitry for cells and predictably program biology in the same way in which we write software and program computers, meaning that the language of life is there to be edited. The language of your cells, of your DNA, and of the DNA in particular of future generations as we move very quickly into the era of designer babies, which we are right on the cusp of. And so what we're talking about is not just simply medicine as it was traditionally known. Someone gets sick and a doctor treats them, even genetic disorders. What we're talking about is the ability to go in through technologies like CRISPR and various other techniques and rewrite the DNA in certain organs or perhaps if the, the most dramatic ambitions come to fruition, the whole body and brain. And certainly we're talking about changing the DNA of embryos, which are gestated and then it, 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 it fertilized in vitro and then gestated either in a, you know, a woman's womb or perhaps in artificial wombs. And a generation that will grow up, or at least a portion of it, uh, in, a, in such an unnatural fashion that even the science fiction authors of the 60s probably would balk at the implications of what we're talking about here. So I mean, we've covered a lot of how Google's DeepMind has their program AlphaFold, which is able to predict the protein structures that will arise from any given DNA strand, meaning that it gives scientists the ability to see what will happen if they tinker with DNA before ever going into the lab. They can see it through artificial intelligence simulations or models. And so just as we now have these experimental mRNA vaccines rolling out and being pushed on the public, this gives scientists the ability to not only create ever more uh, perverse and, and, and dangerous uh, vaccine technologies, but as we move into the era of CRISPR and gene editing, it will give them the ability to basically fast track the sorts of mutations, the, the sorts of genetic tinkering that people who are terrified by the idea of transhumanism are talking about. So this executive order gives federal sanction to all of the sorts of transhumanist ideologies that we've been discussing for the last couple of years. And that people have really been discussing for the last wanna... few decades. It's just the technology yeah. was always behind the dreams. Now the technology is catching up. I also want to just make sure people, and like I said, if it's legislation, it's going to be a law. You have to get votes. You have hearings, or now they don't have hearings, but at least it goes through some sort of process. It's public out there. There's comments. People fight about it. And obviously the ones they want to keep, like the spending bills, they put, drop them at the last second. Executive orders are totally different. Executive orders come from the administrative state. Executive orders, you should also understand, can all be taken to court. You can all fight it. Uh, and also, when a change of administration, the day Trump gets in, you can shut that entire thing down. Now, trust me, the pressure on any White House, and, and particularly even Trump, with, on the big farmer and biotech, I mean, this is because this will come with funding. You will see this executive order 
be attached to um, obviously has to be uh, has appropriations and monies have to be there. Right. But you'll start to see that coming in the appropriations bill. This is a series as it gets. And here's what's most serious about it, Joe. That when you read through the executive order itself, this is not just something uh, they came up with last week. This is very well thought through. You can tell it's got many hands in it. Uh, it is something that looks like they've been working on from day one. Okay. Uh, they've really thought this through. And they're not shy about telling you what they're going to do. I mean, they look at uh, they look at the cell, like you said, is something that's program- programmable, right? Just like Absolutely. a chip is programmable. This this is this is uh, that is the hand of God. We keep saying that the one eternal sin, the one unforgivable sin, is to mock the Holy Spirit, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. This is when you got a question. They're going to say, oh, see, this is the problem with the insurrectionists. This is the problem with the MAGA. This is the problem with this movement. They're all a bunch of hidebound, um, you know, uh, believe in this ridiculous myth of uh, Christianity and the Judeo-Christian West. And they believe in that. And, 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 and they're dangerous to our designs to. And, and by the way, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe Allen. Is this the ability for them to create the Ubermensch? Is this the ability to create the Superman? I mean, right there, they lay it out right there. We believe the human life in the cell is just as programmable as a silicon chip. Is, is, is that not what it says in black letter, Joe Allen? Absolutely, that's the implication. Because you're not talking about necessarily, part of it, of course, is editing out mutations that might cause cancer. But the language in the bill itself, the language hold on, hold on. in the initiative that, that, itself. Yeah, hang on. That, they're is, always going to tell you that. Talking, they're always going to say, right. this is going to sound, this is, this is going to solve, this is going to solve cancer. This is going to take care of Down syndrome. This is for the per, per, the people who have, uh, you know, Lou Gehrig's and all that. That's all what they say. That's not what they're doing. Okay. That's, that's the front. They, and, and maybe some of the good stuff and charitable stuff and, and, and uh, empathetic stuff that picks up. We're going to pick this up tomorrow morning in the 10 o'clock hour, Joe. It's that big right now. Give people between now and tomorrow 10, Joe Allen, how do people get to you, follow you, particularly in this story? Check my social media, ton of stuff up there, at J-O-E-B-O-T-X-Y-Z, JoeBotXYZ, at Gitter and Twitter. Thank you very much, Steve. We only bring Joe Allen back from our special project for the big ones, and this is as big as it gets. We're going to drill down on it tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. It's going to be explosive. Capital markets, economics, geopolitics, politics. And also the specter of transhumanism now coming right from the White House, right from the uh, right from the Oval Office all tomorrow morning in the war room.